Welcome back to another episode of the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Strength and Speed owner and Mudgear Battle of the Lions Pro Evan Paris. I got a guest with me online. Before we get to her, though, a quick word from this episode's sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Rock Tape. Rock Tape makes some great kinesthesiology tape. So you may have, uh, after my last race, I hurt myself a little bit. So I threw some on my arm. And I swear this stuff is magic because it looked, my arm looked terrible. And within a week, it was better. And uh, I'm not going to say it was 100% because of the Rock Tape, but I feel like it definitely helped. And they've also had some great products. They've got you know, rock sauce, which is essentially like icy hot, but it burns a lot hotter. So I, I really like that. And uh, rock sauce ice. So they're a cold variant. And then um, they're essentially owned by Impulse, which uh, does trigger point too. So kind of like all roll under the same brand. So uh, I use their rollers to kind of roll out my muscles a lot. And the rock tape has one with like little teeth on it that I really like. I think it's, it's really good. Rock tape's really awesome for obstacle course racing. Because uh, they have an extra sticky variant. So, um, you know, as we crawl in and out of the mud, the extra sticky variant will stay on better. It was actually designed, I think, for surfers. So to give you an idea of what kind of standard they're trying to uphold uh, when they're making their tape. Yeah, so check them out, uh, www.rocktape.com. I'm also certified as a, a taper through one of their courses, and we've got several people on the pro team also certified. So if you come to the Battle of the Lines event and want some tape, you can hit me or... One of the other team members or Volition Chiropractic, who's going to be at every Battle of the Lions run by Alex Buford. Let's get to today's guest. Joining me, I have Alicia Keeger. Alicia, say hi. Hi. Hello, hello. (laughs) So Alicia is originally from St. Louis, Missouri, and uh, moved out to San Francisco, which I did not know until this past weekend. I thought she was (laughs) still in St. Louis. Uh, But growing up, played a lot of different sports, soccer, basketball, uh, played basketball in college. And then uh, after college, got into lifting and uh, trying to focus on American Ninja Warrior. So she trained for that for a while, uh, sent in a couple applications, never quite made it actually onto the show, but uh, obviously improved her obstacle proficiency there. And then started doing Spartan and Tough Mudders in around 2016, 27 time frame. Uh, went to OCRWC in 2017 and had a, you know, I was always up there near the top. So our 2021 season finished 13th in the Spartan National Series. 10th at Asheville, um, which is a national series race, first place Spartan LA Sprint, and two second place finishes at Spartan Monterey, third place finish at Spartan Oracle at uh, Park Stadium. And other than that, she's a hybrid fitness coach, uh, certified personal trainer from NASM, and recently won the Valentine's Day Massacre Hazelwood's OCR, which we're going to spend a lot of this episode talking about after we talk about her. So Alicia, welcome. Thank you so much, Evan. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, sorry, I ran through the ran through the full bio there. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start off. You know, we like to this is an obstacle course racing focused podcast, so we like to take a lessons from other sports and apply them to the world of obstacle course racing. So you've got a background in soccer and basketball. So tell me about like any lessons that you've taken from soccer or basketball and then you've applied to your obstacle course racing uh, career. For sure. Um, So I kind of stopped playing soccer in high school. Um, Like, um, yeah, I would say in high school, I kind of switched the focus to basketball because I knew that I wanted to play basketball in college and um, just got really serious about it and then um, kind of dropped that second sport and put all my focus in on basketball. And honestly, when I got to college, I played at Southwestern Illinois for two years, so JUCO, and I tore my ACL. So I spent my whole first year on the sidelines, which was really, really tough for me. And then um, 
I eventually went to University of Illinois Springfield where I actually did not play hardly at all. <laughs> so my last two years, um, I sat the bench a lot and I learned a lot um, from that side <laughs> versus like being on the court. So I would say um, my focus uh, in college, like junior, senior year was just to focus on like getting strong and just being like the strongest athlete that I could be versus because I wasn't going to play. And, um, you know, I was the backup point guard and like, there was just no way that I was ever going to start over her. And like, that was fine. So that I think taught me how like to basically like become an expert and what, you know, what you're good at. And so, yeah, I was like good at basketball, but um, I was great at lifting and like, I was a very strong athlete. And I think that that kind of, you know, translate to the, translates to the OCR scene for me because I'm not a great runner and I mean, I'm trying to be, and it, it's taken years um, to become like an endurance athlete going from a basketball, you know, basketball athlete to trying to run a half marathon or a marathon. Um, but basically just like becoming an expert in, in what you are and, and you know, and what, and what you're good at. And so for me, that was lifting and I came back my senior year and I came back stronger and fitter than I'd ever been. And like, of course that didn't like land me a spot in the starting lineup, but um, you know, it just kind of like, it just kind of gave me a little edge into like working hard and um, yeah. So I would say that would be kind of my lesson learn, you know, like you're not always gonna be the best and that's okay, like, but you can contribute in other ways. And so for OCR, I'm never gonna be the best runner, but I could be the best, at obstacles. And so that's kind of where I take, you know, my background and like, I'm going to try to be the best obstacle athlete that I can be. And I hope that one day like that plays in my favor, which it has before whenever it's like rained or mm -hmm. when it's a super obstacle heavy, you know, race. And so, yeah, I think that that's my, you know, one lesson learned going from like playing a lot to sitting the bench to like, okay, what can I do next? And so, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with that. Yeah, and a lot, a lot of good input there. Um, were you someone who, like, as you were growing up through high school, was that like the athlete? Was that a large part of your identity? Was that like who you, who you see yourself, saw yourself as in high school? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I always. <laughs> yeah, my, so my follow-up question, you know, because I think um, especially like high school or college people, they like, get injured or mm -hmm. like in your case, you essentially got benched because there's someone better than you. Yep. You know, like psychologically, how did you, um, and I think you kind of answered it already, but like any other like coping mechanisms or like, you know, how did you like process that psychologically um, where essentially it, you know, it's kind of like eating at part of your identity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I really didn't process it well um, because here I am like 19, 20 years old, you know, and you think like you're the best, like you've come and like you've done all these things and and you get somewhere bigger at a bigger platform and you are not the best anymore. And so I would say as a young adult, I didn't really take it very well. Um, and so as I got older until like my senior year, I was like, it's just more of like accepting that and, and finding, you know, finding, well, what else can I be good at? Like, I'm not going to start, I'm not going to score the most points or like have the most assists, but maybe I could deadlift the most. And that meant something to me as like a competitor. So mm. Yeah, I just coped in a way of like, you know, maybe one year I was probably bitter about it, to be honest, um, but just a little growing up and then just accepting and realizing like 
it's okay to not be the, the best. Um, um, but maybe I'm going to find something else to like shine, you know, and like, I'm going to shine in the, in the weight room maybe. So. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, I think it's okay to be a little bitter about it. It shows mm-hmm. it's important to you, right? If, it, yeah. if you were like, eh, who cares? And if you <laughs> brush it off immediately, like, you know, maybe, maybe it wasn't that big of a deal in the begin with. So. Right. Right. Yeah. Cool. So after college, so you got into, as we talked about lifting and then uh, Ninja Warrior. So I know you were training at a pretty awesome place for a while there in St. Louis. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. And I know it, it now closed, which is sad to see. Yeah, so, so sad. Um, that was like my home. So Core Complex in St. Charles, that, that's where this whole journey started. Um, so I, um, I don't really know the time frame, but I kind of started working there randomly. I, I had gone there for like an open gym and I was like, this is the coolest place ever. I just want to be here all the time. And um, very, very American Ninja Warrior um, versus OCR. And so when I started working there, it was all about Ninja Warrior and like doing like the laches and the pegboard and, and the warped wall, all the things that really you don't find in Spartan now. You can find them in other OCRs. Um, but uh, just kind of worked my way up and had a great relationship with the owner, Brendan O'Neill. Um, and yeah, I worked there for about three years. And when I started doing OCR, I was like, this place needs like an OCR team because um, I'm, you're familiar with the Battlegrounds team. Of course. Yeah. And, yeah. Friends so, there. Yeah. So they were, they were the big thing in St. Louis and they would come and train um, like Jason Rulo and like all those people would come in and train. And I didn't even know about OCR. I'm like, who are these people? Like they just come in and do like the rings, you know, but I had no idea. Um, And so, um, yeah, basically we built an OCR team um, after, I guess after like some of us did like the, the battlegrounds race and that's where this whole thing started. So it's pretty cool. (laughs) Cool. Was there any, um, perks for being on the team or was just like some a way to represent your gym and your community uh we so we made we made a team of four like four males four females um and we gave them all like free gym access and then just kind of made up like a contract to where they had to post um and then we like ordered you know uniforms or like shirts for them to wear at races and it was a great thing for like a year. Um, it kind of fell off. Like it, it, it was hard to just like get everyone together. Um, but that was the year that me and like most of the females, like we, we traveled a lot. Like we went, we went to like California, Vegas, Colorado, like all these places doing these Spartan and like just representing core. Yeah. And it was, it was definitely a cool experience. Like I would say people recognize the core logo because of us. Um, and that's when the gym kind of trans, like, like we kind of went from American Ninja Warrior to OCR. And that's when we started really bringing in people around St. Louis to, you know, train for OCR, not just American Ninja Warrior. Cool. Yeah, I think it's cool. I think there's, there's some, some good concepts there um, for anyone who's, you know, maybe has a local OCR Ninja gym that's looking to get the word out. You know, you, you know I think everyone, you know, we, most of us don't make money in the sport. So I think any sort of uh, benefit or perk that's you can double as advertising uh, can help, can be mutually beneficial to um, several people. So Right. For sure. Yeah. Some good, some good stuff there. 
And then when did you move out to California? Because I wasn't tracking that. Yeah, so I... Um, and why? Also. <laughs> why is a... It's a, a long journey. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> um, so... I mean, just being honest, um, yeah, I moved out in October 2019. Yeah. Um, so I've been here almost two and a half years. And like I had always kind of dreamt about like moving to the coast. Um, and that was probably like East Coast or Florida when, when you're in St. Louis, right? It's not necessarily like the West Coast was kind of like a far, far um, big time dream. And um it was very random, but I, I was at the point at core where we like, I mean, I was managing and like, it was me and Brendan and like our employees and like all the guys, like everyone was super great, but like, I couldn't go any further. I mean, it was either like, I like have my own gym or like, I'm just going to be like managing for the rest of my life. And so I just was kind of, I was ready to take, just take a step and, and try something different. And I had a friend who um, actually, you probably know Jake Deal, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jake. So Jake and I were friends through just Spartan and Savage and Worlds. And he, like, we had gone to um, NORAM that year and 2019. Yeah. Very, very shortly before we moved. And he had been talking about moving to California and he was like, like, Kiko, you should come. Like, and I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I could do like, that's a big move. And, and he was like, no, seriously, I need a roommate. Like, if you want to come out, like, just do it. And he was like, the training out here, like, you'll be able to run like, I mean, all year round. And he was just making it very um, appealing to me. And we went to Noram that year. And he was like, I'm, I'm seriously like getting a place like this is the house. And he was like, you can rent from me. And I was like, you know what? Like, I'm just going to do this. And it was, it was definitely a shock to people. It was a shock to like my parents, to Brendan, the owner of core, like it, it was a big deal. Um, but I mean, it's, it was the best decision I've ever made in my life. And <laughs> it was very, I just like started looking for jobs and like Jake helped me out. And, um, yeah, I, I just, uh, accepted a job on Friday. I remember. And sold all my stuff in two days and um, fit everything that was left over in my vehicle. And I drove out on a Tuesday. So like the window of like me being like, oh, oh, I'm actually going <laughs> uh, was very small. So for like my family, like my mom and my friends, like my, the people in my life were like, wait, are you serious? Like you're leaving? And I'm like, I have to like, I mean, there I would if I wouldn't have done it then, I mean, I, I never would have of I've moved. So it was just like a good opportunity. And like, and to be honest, like thinking back, like, I didn't even really know Jake. Like we were just like, <laughs> <laughs> we were just like bros. And like, we would like text about training and like, I would stay at his house. Like if he was down, uh, like if I was down in Atlanta, cause he was in Atlanta at the time. <laughs> I would like stay there if there was like a, um, like a savage race there and just like created a friendship over that. And then I was like, all right. I hope this guy's not a serial killer. <laughs> no, <laughs> he's a good dude. He's actually moving to Boston, and that's like a bummer. I just found that out this week. So, uh, he's still yeah. working for Tesla. He's not. So he left oh. Tesla um, in Atlanta and then came out to work for a company out here, um, which is where I worked when I first came here. So, gotcha. yeah. yeah. If it, if anyone's seen that, we have a bunch of strength and speed hats. I think we we, we sold out on the online store, but mm -hmm. Jake was the one who had designed. Um, 
the strength and speed hats. The team. Yeah, so he's like all the, about that. Yeah, yeah, the Boko uh, the trucker Boko. hats. Yeah, mm-hmm. good stuff. Uh, so when you moved out to California, did you start working at a gym again, or what was your, um, what did you start working? So I uh, was in the corporate world. So I basically just worked for a company um, managing uh, some people, and it was it was something I had never done before. But it on it, it was a gateway. It was a gateway job. So. I didn't, I knew that I, I couldn't move out to the Bay area and like start working at a gym, like to afford that. And like, yes, yeah, that was, that was my, maybe my next question. Yeah. Like there was definitely like, I went to, like, I went to work for Jake's company actually. And, um, for about eight months and honestly, I hated it and he knows that. So it's fine. <laughs> and, <laughs> and like, but it got me out here and like, um, and then COVID hit and things were just weird. Um, but yeah. And I, I left that job like in the middle of COVID. It was, it was a little risky, I'll be honest. But then I was like, I want to get back to doing what I, you know, what I love and, and that's being at the gym. And so like I was settled here and, and I was in a place where I could do that. And so um, I started working for a gym um, out here called Kings Camps and Fitness. And I rarely teach there now. I, I only teach a few classes a week there. Um, I do all in-home personal training at this point. But it's it's taken you know it's taken a year years for me to like get to where I'm at so um, finally back in the fitness world though gotcha and you describe yourself as a hybrid fitness coach what is mm-hmm. what def- define hybrid fitness for people and what it kind of means yeah. to you I love that um love that question so hybrid fitness to me is is basically like all sorts like all kinds of athletes um, like anyone could come in and do like it basically like DECA, High Rock, Spartan. Honestly, like I throw like Ironman and there are cyclists. Like San Francisco is a place for f- just fitness in general, but it, there are so many different sports. And so I feel like hybrid to me is just anyone, right? Because I think anyone in their sport is always looking for the next thing. So like mountain bikers, for example, like take a mountain biker and like, can you like, can you deadlift this weight? Like, you know what I mean? Like you have strong legs, but like, are you working on that too? And so I just feel like hybrid, hybrid fitness is, is the new way of fitness. Um, and it's just different. You just like, it's not the same thing over and over. Like, so for me as a coach and a personal trainer, like we're always mixing it up. Like, we're not going to do the same exact, we're not going to do the same exact workout every single week. Like I'm going to throw in some stuff that you don't want to do because mm. that's where growth happens. So like for me, I did an Ironman because I could not swim. And so like, I would consider myself a hybrid, hybrid athlete because I can complete an Ironman, but I can also do a pretty fast 5k or like a stadium race. So that's hybrid to me. It's just like a mix of all like blends of fitness basically. I love it. I mean, that's why, so my brand strength and speed, essentially that's why we started because I would, you know, I'd go to running races and I'd be like, or like I go to my running training group and I'd be like, Oh, I got a new deadlift PR. And people would be like, I don't, I don't even know. I don't even know what movement you're talking about. Or like, right. you know, I'd go be dead, I'd be deadlifting with a friend and he, I'd be like, Oh, you know, I've got a marathon coming up in a couple of weeks. And he'd be like, how are you running like more than five miles period? Um, right. And I, I just found it, it's much more sustainable over your life. Right. So like I've been, I ran my first marathon in 2003. So like I've been training consistently for a very long time. And a lot of it was just because, you know, I, I kind of bounced around and found different sports, which kept the the passion alive and the, and the interest going, um, which 
essentially made me well-rounded. So when I found obstacle course racing, I was pretty good at it. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, it's very, um, like for me, I, I love Spartan. Right. Um, but I'm, I'm really in this mode right now to real, to kind of get into high rocks and, but I still want to be good at that and be good at Spartan. And so it's like, it's a fine line of like, how do you do that? Yeah. <laughs> like, how do you be like fast and strong strength and speed? I guess. <laughs> boom. Boom. I feel like I should have a buzzer or yeah. you know, alarm going off or something every time someone <laughs> says it. I love it. Good stuff. All right. So let's start talking about Hazelwood OCR. So the, the one we went to was called Valentine's Day Massacre. Mm-hmm. Um, they do a bunch of other ones too. I think you've been to multiple of them because um, when I, when we lined up, so it's a, let me give people a little bit of background. It's a very small event. So it's a time trial format, kind of like OCR World Championships 3K, but you're, you're running off in groups of two. So I was paired with Alicia here and um, I felt like I was with the celebrity because everyone knew who you were and everyone's like, Kicker! Like yelling your name and stuff. (laughs) So uh, tell people a little bit about Valentine's Day Massacre and then we'll, we'll cover some of their other events. Okay. So when actually I used to run these events, so I used to like help put them on, which is why the, they, they were excited to see me. Cause I haven't, I hadn't seen them since I moved. Um, so, uh, when I was at core, Brendan and I, um, we were approached by Doug and, uh, we had no idea who this man was and he is an awesome, awesome human. I, we act, absolutely loved Doug. Doug. Um, so he came to core and he was like, I want to put on this like challenge and and like he didn't really know exactly what he wanted but there's um there is a uh park in hazelwood that has like the ninja warrior obstacles so he he came to us and he was like i want to use this park we spent all this money on this park and i want to i want to create an event and like someone recommended core complex so um we kind of created and designed um essentially the the race the races and like they the city kind of funded it or we like had people like help help out so because we knew people who would like build things and all this stuff so that's kind of how that started so we did like a very very small um race at first and then it's actually a funny story how the valentine's day massacre came about and um so we did this race called the trenji again a very small race i think we go you go out by one person each and then um as we're ending this event that day like we're out there just like having a good time. Like we were like, this is, this was pretty successful. It was fun. Like there was, there were people that came out that we didn't know who they were. So that was kind of the goal. And I was like, let's do like a two mile, like race on, like I, someone said something about like Valentine's day and, and we were like, Oh, it's going to be like snowing at that point. But, um, that's kind of how that came about. And cause the first ways race was a, a mile. And we were like, well, let's do a two mile. And so that's the, the VDM is what we call it. So Valentine's Day Massacre. And I think Doug came up with that name. And we, we first did it in a park that was really, really flat. Um, it wasn't White Birch Park in Hazelwood. I can't remember the name. And um, yeah, we just designed a two mile course that was very flat with a lot of obstacles. And the, the first time we did it, we're, we're out there like the Thursday, Friday setting up before no snow on the ground and then the friday night before it we get this huge like snowstorm <laughs> and we're out there until 10 11 o'clock that night and it's dark and we can't see anything but thankfully it snowed that night that 
like the reflection off the white ground, we could actually stay out and set up. Um, so, so that's kind of the VDM was, was that first year was this flat, very, very snowy, um, two mile obstacle course with like some pretty hard stuff. And then everything was, um, we did like burpee penalties for everything. Um, cause you really have a mix of the ninja warriors who are probably going to do all the obstacles. You have a mix of like just a random, like athletes that show up, you know, or, or maybe even some runners. And so there were things that like, they probably couldn't do. Um, we had a lot of heavy carries cause that was easy to set up as like, so like a, basically a company that like, we couldn't like fund everything. Um, so yeah, everyone really just kind of came together and, and just created this really neat local race that, you know, you just had people from like all over, I would say like St. Louis. And we, and we were trying to pull in people like the Nick Rikers and the, the Brents and the Lucases and all the people that like, we knew that would, you know, maybe kind of make the drive. And then they did. And like, I would say the first one we had, even though it did snow, I want to say like six inches or something, or like <laughs> that first time, I would say it was successful. And it, it was just like a fun, and, and then it just became this like snowy winter race. And then they've, I, I, would just, I think they've been doing it ever since. So that was three years ago that we started doing that. Um, but yeah, super, super awesome race for sure. Yeah, I love it. It's, you know, and what I love is just such a, you know, again, small group of people putting on, but mm -hmm. it comes out so good because, you know, you don't have to worry about obstacle as much about obstacle throughput because mm -hmm. you were releasing them two at a time. Yep. And there were so many obstacles. Yeah, I know when a course is obstacle dense because I don't look at my watch and I didn't look at my watch once uh, really? during the race because I'm, <laughs> I'm running or staring at the next obstacle, like right. thinking about how I'm going to do it. So I, I didn't check my watch. Um, yeah, it was just so much fun. I've been meaning to get out there for a couple of years and I just mm -hmm. haven't, it hasn't lined up. And actually this year wasn't particularly good either, <laughs> but I, um, I wanted to get, there's a guy who teaches uh, like a Greek martial arts, essentially pancreation in um, South mm -hmm. of St. Louis. So I, that's actually why I was driving out there. And I was like, well, okay. um, you know, I, it, it's a bit of a far drive to, to learn that stuff. So like I, I align it with another race. And of um, <laughs> so I, I, you know, I lined it with Valentine's Day Massacre and then drove down for training afterwards. Nice. Um, okay. So, so that works out. Yeah. So I wasn't expecting much and it, uh, you know, it was just, I mean, for myself, it was, I wasn't mm -hmm. expecting much because I'm yeah. kind of early season, but it was so much fun because it was just, mm -hmm you know, dense and the obstacles were unique. And uh, like one of the rigs was essentially, it was like unstable balance portions. Yes. Um, so it wasn't yeah. super technical, but if you weren't coordinated, it, it would require a lot of time to get through. Mm -hmm. And I thought the, um, some of the, there's a lot of like jumps and like falls from kind of like large heights onto these big crash pads. Yes. And I, yes. I loved that. That was to me, the most fun of the entire event essentially there was like one of them was like a ladder to an inverted ladder and then you just kind of fell from that one was kind of scary <laughs> i know that's why i liked it so how high up do you think we were i mean um at least 10 12 feet right yeah yeah at least yeah i mean depends where we're measuring from but it's uh right. it was quite a, it was quite a drop so i liked it because it you know rewarded a little bit of daring you know and kind of committing to yeah. a lot of these these moves yeah, it's cool. Those mats, that that's a fun uh, memory of when and where we got the, those mats. It, because 
again, like not being funded for something like this, you really have to do your research. And in, in St. Louis, like there's not a whole lot of ops, you know, obstacle, like we were the only people that did the, this obstacle thing. And so some gymnastic place, I want to say was going out of business or something. And we, I remember going out to this, I don't even know, it was like a far drive and we just bought like eight of these huge crash mats. Cause that was a big concern with safety, obviously the city, like, you know, that's, that's important, especially when you're having random people that we didn't even know come in and do these like swinging obstacles. And I, you know, we were always like very like conscious of, of safety. And those mats were, those are everything. Cause I remember telling Doug, I'm like, once you get these, you're so you're, you're set. Like these are perfect. Cause no other races really have that. A lot of times you're falling on hay or like concrete yeah. or grass. And so I really do like that part of it for sure. Yeah. Like right at the beginning of the race, we ran through a skate park, went over a Tyrolean traverse and there's one of those mats underneath. And then yeah. you kind of ran out the little little uh, quarter pipe, and then you since you jumped over the railing. Yeah, <laughs> and again, like... <laughs> there's there's another crash pad below, but like, I mean, I, I committed to it, and I, you know, very safe. I mean, there was a ton of cushioning. It, I think you could yeah. cut that mat into probably a quarter, and you'd still mm-hmm. have cushioning. Uh, yeah, the, the one thing. year we used the pool, and I want to say we. Th- no, because we couldn't put the mats in the pool because we wouldn't be able to get them back out. So those things are heavy. But I think we did like a rope climb up the pool. And that was really cool. So we did a really good job or they do a really good job of using, yeah, the skate park. And then there's that the pool area that you can just, I think one year we had people go down the slide. Yeah. Not with so, water, but I think just like regular, like running down it or sliding. No, down. you. so I think it was, I think I had Chris Balvin or maybe even Jason Rule on my podcast after that event. So you, you guys went down the slide and then you had to walk up the, essentially the lazy river, which did not look very lazy. Oh yeah. We turned the jets all the way on and made people like walk against. That was really cool. Like who does that? Like, and, and I, I can't remember. It was either Chris or Jason was like, dude, that obliterated my legs. Cause it's like, you know, heavy, essentially it's heavy strength work. Um, yeah. Cause you're going against all this resistance and then, and then you start your running. So it was like, yeah. It's just yeah. a drain on the legs. They've done a good job of like getting more rigs out there. Um, Cause he's gotten like, um, like a decent amount of rig setups that we did not have when, when I was there helping. So super, super fun. Everyone likes going to races that they can like test their obstacle. Like, you know, like if they're pre- preparing for worlds or preparing for like something that's a little more obstacle dense, like, definitely a good good place to like test that out yeah so give me some of your other favorite obstacles from uh valentine's day massacre Hmm. okay so you know what actually was really difficult i don't know what they called this one but on the back half where there was you had to carry that 45 pound like atlas ball oh. and it had a rope attached to it and then yeah, you so- had to push it through those tunnels <laughs> Yeah, so it looks like a cartoon bomb. So it's a Atlas stone yes. with a thick uh, rope, kind of like a Force 5 rope sticking out of the top. That's only like mm-hmm. maybe, I don't know, eight inches long. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, I, I when I picked it up, I was like, should I carry it by the rope or should I just carry it as an Atlas stone, you know? But then you had to carry it and then go under six, was it six tunnels? Yeah. And like, there was not a whole lot of room there. And so 
I just threw it in the tunnel. So as far as I could, and then just crawled. And then I don't even know, like I had no, I did not have a good strategy for that one. So that came out of nowhere. And I was thinking as I was doing it, like, this really sucks, but this is super cool. Cause it was really hard and I had never done anything like that. So definitely like that one. Um, I'm going to interject real quick. So br- apparently Brent was doing the same thing, throwing it through, Yeah. except he <laughs> threw it through and it came out the other side and then rolled down the hill into yeah. the woods. So he had to go get it. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. I heard be careful. That too. <laughs> um, that one was good. Um, just because it's different. Like you had no idea, like, how do you prepare for that? And then the rig that um, the Baumgarten family made under the, um, like in the pool area. Oh uh, yeah. Probably. My favorite. That was really cool. And like Jeff, I mean, he's what 13. I don't want to like, I don't know if that's the correct age, but um, I mean, this kid is lit has literally been on American Ninja Warrior Jr. And like, he was a celebrity at core. He, he is like an amazing athlete as like this young child. I mean, I knew him when he was like, so, so young and he's like almost a teenager now, but he created this and like designed this thing. And they just like put so much time and effort into it. It was, it was really cool. That was, um, like the slider. So you just kind of like slid down and I skipped the tire. Did you skip the tire? I don't even remember. I, I'm having trouble. Like, I remember going through that part. I don't remember the specific. I just remember it was a lot of random, random holds. Yeah, um, for sure. <laughs> so I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah, that was a good one. It was, I think they said that was like 50 feet long, Rick. Really? 30, 30 or 50. I could be wrong, but that one. Yeah. I, I enjoyed just random. Like I didn't think I was going to be able to get through it. And then I was able to, so that was fun. <laughs> you know, what was surprisingly hard was the, um, it's like a, I call it a hockey puck hit. So it's essentially a sledgehammer and you hit the tire down and back. Yeah. But it was, I don't know why it was so tiring, but I was exhausted. Um, it was uphill. Yeah. I mean, sledgehammering a tire in general is hard, but doing it uphill, it was, that was tough. That, that, I think that took a lot of time for a lot of athletes for sure. Yeah. It was fun. But uh, again, I, I can't encourage people enough to try some of these local brands out because you know, like we were saying, you know, you can't, you can't put 50 obstacles in a Spartan race, right? Like there's too many people that would require too much money and too many lanes. But if you're doing time trial format and you, mm-hmm. you can throw 50 obstacles in there and um, with a essentially small brand, there's no, no bureaucracy, right? There's no, so you can do whatever you want. That is so- true. And people respect that too. And I think as long as you go in with an open mindset of like, Hey, this is a local race. Like they're probably not getting paid to do this. So going with a, like a good attitude and just have fun with it like that. Yeah. Local races are are super fun. Unfortunately, there's not a whole lot out here, but I feel like Midwest has some good local races. Yeah. I was going to say you moved to California where it's essentially like Spartan tough mudder. That was the plan. Yeah. Basically it. That's basically it. <laughs> yeah. So good stuff. And now tell people about the podium ceremony. Cause that was oh, funny. man. <laughs> So Doug, um, Doug tells us, what was it the night before I saw him? I believe, um, he was like, you just wait till the, the podium ceremony, uh, ceremony. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, we've got something. Uh, I don't know if it's going to work or not. And he, I was like, so I was like, okay. And so 
basically he takes us behind the curtain and there's a forklift there and he's like you know how to operate this i'm like no i do not um so they're like teaching me how to you know it's easy it's just one button but me yeah i'm like overthinking it and um yeah we came out of uh from below and then they we like raised ourselves on this forklift all the way up um as brent decides to um drink his beer from the shoe that he raced in so that definitely needs to be said <laughs> so. yeah it, it was a great it was a great podium ceremony i thought it was really funny uh people were going nuts if anyone wants to read like a full review of uh hazelwood's valentine's day massacre head over to ocr buddy i wrote a kind of a post-race review on there it's got a bunch of pictures from different obstacles um it's got a you know, like, like a lot of races, they had a fire jump as the final obstacle. And what was funny was that people were using the obstacle as like a warming pit, essentially uh, <laughs> when people weren't racing, you know, so everyone's standing yeah. around the fire, staying warm. Um, it's got a picture of some of those crash mat, crash pads, and it's got a picture of, um, I think I put the link to the Mudgear Battle of the Lions uh, pro team Instagram page. I do. Um, and you can see the actual uh the lift raise up and Brent standing there uh, drinking out of his shoe. So, <laughs> you track them when their next uh, event is Hazelwood. Um, usually they do it. I want to say like September, October, the Terengi. So yeah. Is that one mile? I don't know that exact date, but same yeah, that, uh, one person at a time though. Um, so time trial. And I want to say it's just as many obstacles, but in a shorter distance. Yeah. So Doug said it's one and a half miles and 50 obstacles. So this one was about a little under three and 50 obstacles. Yeah. So if you like obstacles, I mean, it's, it's worth coming out to. Yeah. For and sure. um, I, the local feel, I just, I really enjoy local events. I just think they're um, mm-hmm. just a good, good feeling around them. So, yeah. and I think this was a really good example of anyone who's like, Oh, we need a race in my area, but there there aren't many. It shows it shows you a good like model that you can use to uh, you know maybe, maybe bring back to your own area and do a similar type of local event, um, you know where you don't need a sixteen lane rig and um, you know et cetera. Yeah. So, what else do you have? Any or any final thoughts on Valentine's Day massacre in Hazelwood? Um. No. Just. I mean basically the fact that everyone comes together um you know core was a big you know big part of that but also we brought in so many people from the city of hazelwood and like all the volunteers and just i don't know if they were employees of the city but just the vibe of everyone coming together and like you know you have people out there that have no idea what ocr is and and they're out there in 20 degree weather cheering you on that's pretty cool and yeah. so i just think a lot of respect for like the city of Hazelwood and just everyone involved. Cause that is not easy. Like that takes a lot of time. I mean, months and months of planning. And then you know that they're up pretty much all night the night before and they're super early the day of the race. It's just a lot of work that goes into it and they truly just do it like for the love of the sport. And that's really what's cool about it. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the, the event was really small, but that, when I showed up, I was like, why are so many good people here? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, like we had, um, so obviously Brent Hastert from my, the Muggy Battle Lions pro team was out there. Lucas Fanasil, who used to be on the CTG pro team was out there. You were out there. 
Now, one of the recent winners from Phoenix OCR, I can't remember his name off the top of my Leo? head. Leo? I don't know Leo's last name. I don't know Le- if that's... Oh, yeah, Leo, that's not what I was talking about, but uh, Leo was there, Leo Ormenta, so from Strong as Oak, who's uh, like regularly on the podium. So, yeah, I was like, oh, off-season race, small event, it'll be no problem. I show up, I was like, what in the... Why are so many good people here? So, um, <laughs> turns it turned out well, though. So, uh, did we say how you did? I can't remember. I, I think I we implied it. Yeah, 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 that was fun. That was the plan. <laughs> so I, I I came in second for the men behind uh, Brent there. Yeah. So I, I like we said I ran with Alicia, who I'm gonna credit me. I'm gonna I'm gonna take credit for your first place because I was pacing you, and also yeah, for my yeah. Sure. <laughs> I'm also gonna take credit for my second place because there were a couple times, um, especially in the first half where I'd be running and I'd be like, all right, doing good, and I'd be like, damn it, why is Alicia so close? <laughs> so I, to, I was uh, excited that you were uh basically pacing me yes because i <laughs> i use that as like if i can stick with evan like i should there should be there no problem but you you ran away from me in the second half i believe i did i did because um, I, was, I was getting upset because you were still i could still see you every time we like i you know we looped back towards ourselves so i had to turn it up a little bit yeah good stuff all right what do you have coming up for 2022 the rest of the year so many things, but it's finally um, finalized, I would say. Um, so next weekend, I'm actually going to High Rocks, New York. Um, and so I'm going to do double mixed doubles there because I'm my I'm doing the U.S. National Series Spartan. Okay. So I'm going to do the first four National Series races, which is kind of going to be my focus. Um, then I've got that full Ironman in October. And which likely means that I will skip the the fifth national series race in Canada. And um, then I'm planning on doing OCR worlds. So nice. I have not been back there since the very first year, which was 2017. And I had no clue what I was doing and it took me five hours and I got my band cut. So, <laughs> I mean, a lot has changed since that day and I'm excited to, I'm definitely excited to go back um, and try to, I mean, I, I mean, I've got big goals, so I'm excited for OCR worlds. I would say that that is probably my a race for sure. And where is your Ironman? Um, Ironman is in Barcelona. Woo. So, yeah, that's going to be a, that's going to be a big deal. So originally my, you know, my, my all out plan was to go Spartan national series, um, do the whole entire series. And then, um, I got invited to this, um, full Ironman full, if I did not say that, um, and by athletic brewing. So they're super, super great and invited me to come, uh, compete at, uh, the full Ironman. And that's going to be yeah, October 2nd, uh, which actually falls a week after OCR Worlds. So it's a lot going on, but um, I talked with my coach and it makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm going to be the fittest and probably the lightest and I mean, probably the best shape I've ever been in after the Ironman training block. And so up until that point, you know, a week before the Ironman, like, He's like, well, what's, you know, what's one more race? Like, the, you know, like, and I, yeah. I kind of like sat down and thought about it. And I'm like, other than the logistics and traveling and having to like ship my bike internationally and like get from California to New York and then Spain, it, it's a lot, but I think that's the best. Um, I think that's the best way to do it this year. So that's the plan. Cool. 
Are you spending any vacation time in Spain afterwards? You're coming in basically for the race and heading out. Uh, definitely planning on, yeah, I'd like to spend a few weeks over there. Um, definitely like that's, that's why I won't be doing the blue mountain Spartan, which is October 22nd because I'm probably, I'm probably gonna definitely do some traveling. Um, I'd like to hit up like London, Paris, all that kind of stuff. I've never been to that area of the world and this is a great opportunity. So that's what we're going for. Yeah. I love traveling around Europe. Yeah. Highly, rec- highly recommended. Okay. Yeah. Highly recommended. So I haven't been to, uh, I've been to one city in Spain, Rota, Spain. Okay. Not, not very exciting. It's a military layover. So oh, not, not, not super exciting there. Uh, but I've been to Paris and London and uh, mm-hmm. around France and Germany and England. So. And you recommend all of them? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I like history stuff. So like mm-hmm. anytime I can go to a place where some historical event happened, I think that's really cool. Yeah. And um, my wife uh, is more of a food person. So she likes, you know, sampling all the French food and yeah. stuff like that. The food in England is not very good, but uh, or like English food is not good. I should say yeah. there are like we went to Thai and Indian places and stuff in mm-hmm. England. That was good. But yeah, it's cool. Super cool. And also like, you know, I, I love America and I'm, I'm definitely going to stay here for the majority of my life. But the it's cool to be in a part of the world where the history goes back a little bit further, right? Because yeah. every, everything here is, you know, 1776 or later, essentially. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. Cool. So we're going to start wrapping it up. Before we get going, though, uh, tell us something people would be surprised to know about you. Ooh. Um, yeah, this is a this is a good place to put this, I would say. Um I'm actually, um, I'll go like a little nutrition, um, here. So I'm actually vegetarian. So a lot of people don't know that. (laughs) And, um, I am completely sober. So that's a cool thing. I, so the thing about me is I, when I first started Spartan racing, I, I really did it for like the free beer and I was a pretty big, um, pretty big drinker, I would say. And, um, then the pandemic hit. And that's when I kind of changed my life and Hmm. like just went all in on like trying to be sober and not that I like had a problem with it, but I mean, it definitely like compromised like my training and, and just my lifestyle in general was, I don't know, my mindset was different. And so I remember like after my 30th birthday, um, out here in San Francisco, I was, I woke up the next day and I was like, I don't really want to feel like this anymore. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, like I, I'm a social person. I, I like to go out and, and I like to do all that stuff. So for me, I was like, I'm going to take, uh, 30 days and I'm going to try to not drink for 30 days. And that was, I, I thought that was going to be really hard for me. And so I, I did that. And after the 30 days, I was like, that was really easy. And I saved a lot of money. Yeah. That's what I was <laughs> so, about to say. Yeah. Yeah. And, and all the bars were closed at this point. And so I did that and then, um, kind of became like vegetarian at the same time and really ramped my training up, uh, like training up at that point. And I really like, it changed my life. I mean, I am not anywhere. I'm not saying like go vegetarian and like stop drinking, but that worked for me. And so <laughs> It, it just really like, 
I mean, and of course that's like the California thing to do is to like not eat meat. I mean, I do, I do eat like pepperoni pizza. So that's, <laughs> that definitely. So that's mostly right. vegetarian. Mostly. I am, I am vegetarian plus pepperoni. pepperoni yeah. So, um, yeah, I would say just, um, it kind of changed my life. And, um, then I got on board with athletic brewing and it's just, you know, I mean, you, you hear about that and, but la- like that, it really is a true story for me. And, um, it just kind of put things in perspective of, of what I want for my life. And, you know, now as a 30, 31 year old, um, I, I just see things a little different and I'm able to like say no to things that I probably wouldn't, you know, two years ago. And I like it that way. So that's where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, much respect. And I, I agree. I stopped drinking 2014. Again, it wasn't mm-hmm. like I had a, I didn't have a drinking problem or anything. It was just like, well, my main goal is to race and race very at like the highest possible level I can get to. Mm-hmm. And uh, drinking, you know, having one drink may not hurt, but it's not going to help. So I just yeah. I basically just stopped. And uh, yeah, yeah. Again, yeah, a saves person. a lot of money, prevents, you know, allows you to wake up and train. Um, any yeah. day of the week, essentially, when you want that you want to. Mm-hmm. And uh, what about so real quick, uh, another follow up question for vegetarians. So you know, I think a lot of people who considering going that option, or maybe have gone that option, you know, um, are concerned about not enough protein intake. So you know, what do you do for protein besides pepperoni pizza? <laughs> right, you... which is like the worst source. Um, <laughs> it's like all it's all fat. Night. It's all fat and greasy. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's any protein in that. Um, <laughs> You know, that's a great question, but that's why I wanted to kind of touch on it. Um, and again, I, I'm not one of those people that are like saying that you have to be vegetarian. I just feel better as like an athlete and like I, I, I'm a little leaner and all that kind of stuff. And it just works for me. So I'm about, I would say like 135 pounds. So I want to try to get, you know, 135 grams of protein in a day. And that is very, very tough, even with like eating meat, I think. So for me, I do about at least two, like at least two scoops of protein a day, whether that's mm. like in my oatmeal or after like a workout or run, I'll, I'll just do protein and water. Sometimes I'll just throw a, a, another half scoop in there. So it's like a scoop and a half. And then maybe for breakfast that day, I already have the full scoop of protein in my oatmeal. So like there's already two scoops um, or two and a half scoops. Um, that gets really annoying because like, it, it's, I mean, no one wants to drink protein shakes all day, <laughs> like they don't. but, um, I do eat a lot of like chickpeas and lentils and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, it's a struggle. I'll be, I'll be honest. Um, it's, it's really hard to get in it. Um, you know, get in 135 grams of protein out of like chickpeas and protein powder. <laughs> um, but I just, you know, I try to do, um, another good little trick is I, I, I eat, um, a lot of yogurt, a lot of Greek yogurt. You can find some Greek yogurt that has like 17 grams of protein in it. And then if you put a whole entire scoop of, you know, 20, like good quality protein that has like 25 grams of protein in with that. And maybe like a scoop of peanut butter, you you can eat like, that's a meal with 50 grams right there. So if I do that, plus the oatmeal and the scoop, you know, and like a little chickpea here and there, that's pretty much my diet right there plus a ton of veggies (laughs) good stuff yeah Mm -hmm. i think some great advice there and uh i highly recommend the back when i was doing more lifting oriented i used to put like protein scoops like all sorts of stuff 
Um, oatmeal, like you said, oatmeal. I've done um, – I used to put chocolate protein in uh, black coffee, like cold yeah. black coffee. Yeah, it's so good. It's a little mocha. <laughs> yeah, and it was good. Yeah. Yeah, was- I um, – another good trick is I'll get an unflavored I, – I always have, like, tons of protein on hand, like – but I do an un, uh, like a bin or a case or whatever of unflavored. Mm. And so I'll put the unflavored in my coffee and it doesn't even change the consistency. Like I won't do a full scoop because that might, but just a little bit. Um, and so if you do unflavored with, you could put that literally in anything. I mean, you could put it in cereal if you really wanted to yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't change anything. So unflavored is a good way to hide it in a lot of, a lot of foods. Yeah. Agree with that. There's a hammer nutrition makes an unflavored protein, whey protein that has like the ingredient list is whey protein, period. Yeah. Okay. Like, there's, there's like literally nothing. It's just like whey protein, period. You're like, oh, yeah. Okay. So that's um, what you want to look for. You want to look for the smallest ingredient list on those protein bottles. Yeah. And it's another one. This is, this one's from probably again from the bodybuilding world that it, it's going to gross most people out, but it's actually not bad depending on the cereal you use. So I've used, I've done this multiple times. Uh, I used to do it actually pretty regularly. I've actually put uh, egg whites instead of milk in my cereal and just eaten them like that. Interesting. So um, that's another, that's another one. uh, If anyone's really adventurous, but if you, if, you know, if you use a really bland cereal, sometimes the consistency, you're like, "Mm, maybe not, but um, just the. just for those who who need more protein, right? You need protein for your protein. So I'm over here thinking like, I'm going to go try that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If it's a, if it's a little bit of a sweeter cereal, it's a little bit better. Um, but yeah, yeah, I've done it before. And you know, it, if you look on the, the egg white boxes, if you buy them in boxes, um, you know, they, you know, it says you can pour it directly into your smoothie, right? So you don't need to cook it. So, um, you know, you can also, you can pour it into anything at that point. <laughs> Yeah, that is true. <laughs> just drink an egg white liquid. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't just drink a sweet. Again, the consistency is just, it's like it's just a little slimy. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, we're going to let you go. Um, any final shout outs you want to give friends, family, sponsors, et cetera? Um, yeah, all the friends, all the family, they know who they are. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, just the gym I teach at, it's called King's Camps and Fitness. Um, there's, it's a really good community there. And then, obviously athletic brewing. Um, they are awesome. And Hazelwood OCR, of course. And that's, yeah, that's pretty much it. Cool. And where can people find you on social media? Uh, yeah, on Instagram, I'm just Alicia Keeker, K-U-E-K-E-R with the number three at the end. And you can find me on there. Cool. And for our listeners, uh, you can head over to the teamstrengthspeed.com store. I've got articles publishing on Team Strength Speed on a pretty regular basis, about every two weeks. Uh, so check back in our blog. And then obviously we have bleg mitts, all sizes and styles for sale, the uh, extreme and the light. And then my got my usual plethora of books that are available there. Uh, the new strengths and speeds got the elite obstacle course racing. I just got a couple more copies in. Um, so I have, I actually need to update the website. But I think it says only one is left. But I got the, those in and then my new book on endurance. So a practical guide to um, I should learn my own title of my book better. It's a practical guide to uh, achieving like superhuman performance or something like that. I can't remember the exact name of it, but basically I took quotes from podcasts from people like Alicia uh, that have, you know, improved their fitness and at a high level. And I essentially used it to assemble a book of kind of advice, like practical advice that you can actually use 
And instead of just being like, be a better runner, right? Like it, it really focuses on the mental side of things and allows you um, to look at your performance and try to evaluate it and find ways to get a little bit better. So uh, you can check that out. It's going to be on Amazon, hard copy and digital. And that should be uh, up for sale at the end of April. And you can, I think, I believe you can find it online now. So I've got like a kind of a pre-order thing going, but uh, end of April it'll be available and to ship to you. So check that out. And then other than that, uh, a lot of articles on various websites. OCR Buddies got an article about KCOCR Double Down. So we've got two weekends where it's KC Timber Challenge and then another race. So one of them is Battle of the Lions. And then another one is KC Timber Challenge and Mythic Race. So Mythic Race is the new obstacle course race in, uh, I'm going to screw up the name, Benton or Benson, Missouri. I don't know. Will's going to yell at me. But <laughs> this is the new Mythic Race. Um going on in april make sure you check that out they've got a five hour and a 5k option so it's going to be a lot of fun and what was the other article uh i've got a couple of reviews up on ocr buddy uh for high elite stuff and then there's a article about uh it's called ocr with grandpa so my dad did casey timber challenge yeti with my daughter um so he's 74 years old and just kind of talked about the experience of going through the course with my dad and uh, so I, I enjoyed writing that article and sharing it with the world. I've also got an article up on Tiga Tactics. So the I had the martial arts guy, Patrick Wong, on the podcast a couple of months ago. Wrote two articles for them. Uh, one of them was about getting functional as soon as possible. And the other one's called Think Like a Bad Guy, Act Like a Good Guy. Basically, if you want to improve your self-defense, you need to have the mindset of a bad person. And then you just kind of reverse everything so you, can, so you know what to defend against. And then I've got articles on the OCR report. So check that out too. Not sure if we are publishing my OCR Pro League concept on the OCR report or what we're doing with that. But um, you want you're gonna want to check back on the OCR report. Got some good stuff coming up on there. And then Mudgear also. I just sent over three articles from Mudgear. Busy as always. I'll stop talking. Let everyone get on with their day. Thanks again for joining us. And uh, I think we're sticking to about probably about two episodes a month moving forward, just because my schedule is a little bit crazy. So Alicia, thanks again for coming on. Yeah, thanks. This is fun. Thank you so much. Good talking to you. And we will, um, I don't know, I'll see you at Worlds if I don't see you before then. Yeah, see you at Worlds. All right. Catch you later. Bye.